Have you ever had this experience? You aren't feeling well, you have bloating, gas, acid reflux, etc., and you've heard gluten can be inflammatory for some folks. You like gluten a lot, who doesn't, but you also want to feel better. So you go gluten-free. Your symptoms improve, perhaps temporarily, like a few weeks or months, or your symptoms improve partially, like a 10% reduction, 50% reduction, maybe more. But you don't totally feel good. In fact, your symptoms are starting to come back, so you start eating gluten again. You don't feel that different when you start eating gluten again, after all, you already felt bad, and you start telling people, particularly health professionals you try to work with, I went gluten-free and it didn't help. I don't think I'm sensitive to gluten. What happened? And why did going gluten-free not heal your gut? Hint, it might have nothing to do with gluten. On today's episode, I'm sharing with you three reasons that going gluten-free didn't heal your gut and what you can actually do to get rid of your gas, bloating, acid reflux, constipation, and more. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel more healthy and vibrant than ever by finding the root causes of our health problems. My name is Allison Jordan. I'm a marathon runner, functional medicine, health coach, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and just checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for your entire life. If you are ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. And just as a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make any changes to your health. One of the most common conversations I have with clients prior to them working with me is, I've already gone gluten-free and I haven't felt better. And a lot of times this part of the conversation is involved with all the other things that someone has done to try to get better and hasn't worked, might be medications, doctor visits, certain testing, and it also links with what they think might be the problem or their frustration with not feeling like they can understand what the problem is with their health and their gut problems. And a lot of times when we're having this conversation, I have to tell them, they're wanting to know from me, hey, what can I expect from the foundations program, my main way of working with me? What what might I ask them to do? What might I ask them to not do? And I might say, and I often do say, hey, even though going gluten-free already didn't make you feel better, there's still a chance that you are gluten-sensitive. Well, why is that? Why can someone still be gluten-sensitive but have gone gluten-free and it not solve all their symptoms? There are three main reasons that I see over and over again in my clients for this. 
Number one, you haven't gotten gone gluten-free long enough. So a lot of times if someone says, I've gone gluten-free before and it didn't make me feel better, I might ask them, well, how long did you go gluten-free for? And they might respond three days, two weeks, a month, and that seems like to them a good amount of time. And the truth of the matter is, is that you need to be going gluten-free much longer, closer to three to six months, and even within that time period, really closer to six months, before you can tell if going gluten-free or if gluten in general is causing a problem for you. Why is this? The reason is because of how your immune system works. You have multiple layers of your immune system, kind of like we have multiple layers of security in the United States, which is where I live. So I'm going to say the United States. So for example, locally, I might have the police and then abroad, I might have the military and we might also have the FBI for certain investigative things. We have people who, we have the Navy, we have the army, we have different levels of security that get activated for different problems. Your body is the same way. You have two particular layers of your immune system. One's called the IgA antibodies and one is IgG antibodies. And two different differences between these two antibodies is one, IgA tends to be a first responder immune response. We're talking about an inflammatory response that can be measured between zero to three months after an exposure to an inflammatory substance. So if you are eating gluten and you eat it once in a zero to three month period, your IgA levels are elevated for three months. That's a big deal. And it means that if you don't stop eating gluten completely for three months, then your IgA levels and in general, your overall inflammatory levels are staying elevated and your body hasn't had the chance to actually de-escalate from a state of inflammation that may be causing or building into your main symptoms. On the other hand, we have IgG levels and IgG levels are a little bit more delayed immune response and they typically are activating between three to six months after an exposure. So first off, they're not even responding in the zero to three months, but they are delaying that inflammatory response. Your body was designed this way inherently for a good reason. You want to have short-term and long-term immunity to something that you might get exposed to. Think about how we talk about COVID immunity and how people can be immune for a certain period of time or have at least heightened immunity for a certain period of time after having recently had COVID. So this is the same thing, but with gluten. So number one, you haven't gone gluten-free long enough. If you have not gone gluten-free for three to six months and ideally six months and given yourself that amount of time, then that could be one reason that you think going gluten-free didn't help you. Number two, you haven't gone gluten-free thorough enough. So cheat days are a popular concept, particularly in the dieting world, or maybe caloric restriction, or you know eating salads, but then having a cheat day and being able to eat cupcakes, things like this. This is not an appropriate concept for gluten or for any food sensitivity, be that dairy or soy, whatever food sensitivity we're talking about. Calories inherently are not inflammatory. So if you eat calories, fewer calories five days a week and or six days a week, I if it's just one cheat day, and then you have a cheat day where you eat more calories or eat more sugary things, 
okay, that's fine. But gluten is inflammatory. It's more or less a toxin. So it would be like you saying, well, I don't intake lead six days a week, but on one day a week, I'm going to. Well, your body's going to have an inflammatory response to that lead, no matter what day of the week it is or how infrequently you do it. If you are sensitive to gluten, that will be the case for you. You will get an inflammatory response. And remember, if you have one exposure to gluten, whether it's a cookie or a piece of bread, whatever it is, however big or small it is, you can have elevated IgA and IgG levels for months, which brings us back to principle one. So you can ask yourself, have you gone gluten-free for three to six months, with six months being more ideal, without cheating? So that's number two. If you feel like going gluten-free hasn't helped your gut. But number three is the real killer. And so I get plenty of clients, not all of them, but plenty who say, I've gone gluten-free for a year or more. I've been extremely thorough. I've made sure I haven't had any contamination, et cetera. But I don't feel better. This is likely and pretty much always what has gone on with my clients is that number three, going gluten-free doesn't kill pathogens. And what do I mean by pathogens? I mean bacteria like H. pylori and SIBO. I mean parasites like Blastocystis hominis, which is what I had. I mean yeast and fungi like mold and candida. Going gluten-free doesn't kill these things. It only reduces the inflammatory load on your body. About 25% of my clients will tell me when they come to me, I went gluten-free and I didn't feel better, so I don't think it's the gluten. Well, again, going gluten-free doesn't kill these other pathogens. So almost every one of my clients has had a pathogen, however. And the ones who didn't have a pathogen had other sources of inflammation going on in their body other than gluten. So you may still be sensitive to gluten even after going gluten-free and not feeling better. But you also may have a pathogen or another source of inflammation. If so, your inflammation won't totally die down when you remove the gluten, which is natural. You still have another source of inflammation going on. You will feel better temporarily or partially with your decreased toxic load because you're not eating gluten. So that accounts for saying, I feel better for three days or two weeks or a month for however long it was, or I felt 10% better or 50% better, but not 100%. So you'll feel better with the decreased toxic load, but not perfect. And then your pathogen, if you have one, it's going to amp up in strength as you get stronger. This is also a natural side effect. So you'll start to feel bad again, right? So that's part of what goes on when you get rid of gluten and might feel better temporarily and then start feeling worse again is another source of inflammation. And again, typically it's going to be pathogens because they grow in proportion to the amount of strength your body has. Then you're going to start feeling bad again. So you might not be sensitive to gluten, but if you still feel bad after going gluten-free, it does mean you have other sources of inflammation going on. And you may be sensitive to gluten and go gluten-free, and still feel bad because you have other sources of inflammation going on. So what's a girl to do? There is only one thing to do, and that is test. 
My top two favorite pathogen tests are number one, the GI map test, which covers pathogens like H. pylori, which hangs out in the stomach, candida, parasites, and bacterial overgrowth. And then the oat test, which covers mold, candida, in a more thorough way, bacterial overgrowth, more similar to a SIBO indicator, but is while not being a SIBO test, and a pathogen called C. diff. Between these two tests, you cover a majority of overlooked pathogens that doctors are not looking for. And number two, you can test for more than just celiac-related wheat sensitivity. Antigliadin IgA is a great place that I recommend clients starting when looking at wheat sensitivity. It's a simple marker that gets included in the GI map test, which is that stool test I do with clients also for pathogens. And it's a great way to get a border baseline indicator of do you have a gluten sensitivity, which is different than a celiac marker. If you have been tested for celiac disease or celiac-related wheat allergy, and you've gotten a negative on that test, you can still get a positive for wheat sensitivity testing, which is different than specifically celiac, which is an autoimmune disorder. And a second test that I recommend for wheat sensitivity is called the Wheat Zoomer by Vibrance America. This is the most in-depth wheat test that I know of. It is great for testing to see if you are successfully staying away from wheat. For those who know that wheat is a problem and you want to make sure that you aren't getting contamination. And you can also use this test as a way to verify if there is a wheat sensitivity. I have never seen an antigliadin IgA high meaning that in a GI map suggesting that you have a wheat sensitivity and get a zoomer that says that you don't have a wheat sensitivity. However, I have seen antigliadin IgA that is low on a GI map and then get a zoomer result that says you are you do actually have you have a high sensitivity to wheat in. There's two reasons for this. Primarily, this is typically because of a problem of IgA antibody depletion. This does happen in the body when you have gut lining damage, as in leaky gut, and chronic long-term immune response, where your body's been fighting a pathogen for a long time. Your IgA levels will often dip, and that can happen with other levels as well, but IgA, because it's the first, it's it's that zero to three month first line of resistance, a lot of times IgA gets depleted first. Because the Zoomer also tests for IgG responses for wheat, along with dozens of wheat peptides, you're going to have more opportunities to see wheat sensitivity on more markers that are both IgA and IgG related as well as markers that are more than just gluten sensitivity, but also test other parts of the wheat kernel that you could be sensitive to. So where do you get these tests? Conventional doctors are typically not going to A, know about these tests, or B, care to order them, or C, be able to order them using insurance. And so I typically don't recommend talking to your conventional doctor about it. You can see if they have any idea what you're talking about, but typically they don't have access to it. They don't care, or they are not able to order it through insurance. Typically, if you want access to these labs, you're going to have to work with an alternative provider, such as a functional health doctor, 
doctor or functional health practitioner like myself. And these are the exact tests that I do in my foundations program. In my foundations program, we start with four foundational functional lab tests to find out the root causes of your gas, bloating, acid reflux, IBS, and more. You can sign up for the foundations program waitlist by going to betterbellytherapies.com slash waitlist. I have a waitlist because I only work with one to two new clients every month so that I can focus on you the best I can and help you get the results you're looking for. If you've already tried diet after diet, doctor visits, and doing all the typical things recommended for your symptoms, then you have invisible hidden toxins that are keeping your body from working the way it needs to. And the only way to know what's going on is to do high quality beyond conventional hospital testing and see what is going on in your body. Get, find out the root cause of what's going on and get free from your most stubborn symptoms. If you are ready to stop guessing and stop running in circles in your health, then sign up for the Foundations Program waitlist. Again, go to betterbellytherapies.com slash waitlist. That's betterbellytherapies.com slash waitlist, or click the link in the show notes. I would love to work with you there. All right, guys. Well, I hope this podcast episode was elucidating and helping you understand why going gluten-free isn't everything and why going gluten-free still might be right for you, but you need just some extra things on top of it. Again, if you're ready to find out the root cause of your gut health symptoms, I would love to work with you. If you live in the U.S. or Canada, you can apply to work with me in the Foundations Program, my online six-month program that's designed to help you heal your gas, bloating, acid reflux, and more. Or are you local to Metro Detroit or Ann Arbor? You can book a new client evaluation at our in-person office. Our office is available for functional lab testing, craniosacral therapy, and visceral manipulation. Just go to betterbellytherapies.com slash booking or click the link in the show notes and schedule a new client evaluation there. Otherwise, if you love this episode, we have so much more coming down the line. Subscribe so you never miss a beat. And if you thought of a friend while listening to this podcast, take a screenshot and share it with them. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I am a gut health therapist that they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. So send that friend a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. Other ways that you can support us is by leaving a rating and review. Just scroll down to our Apple podcast at the very bottom and leave a rating. It helps other people just like you find this podcast and be able to find the life-giving information that comes with it. Other ways that you can stay in the conversation is by following us on Instagram at Better Belly Therapies. I love connecting with our listeners there and it means so much if you stop by and said hi. And lastly, an invitation. If you had a question after this podcast episode and you want to ask me, go to betterbellytherapies.com slash askallison. There you can click record and ask your question straight from your phone. You can leave your name and email or ask anonymously and your question may get featured on the podcast with my thoughts directly pointed at your burning question. I would love to hear from you and help you with whatever's going on in your health. Again, go to betterbellytherapies.com slash askallison. That's it for today's episode, and I'll leave you guys off with our motto. Miracles are immediate, but healing takes time. Catch you guys next week.